Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Our last week here on the This Is Us series, and I hope you've taken advantage of it. What we've really tried to do is to say, hey, Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me about me? What are you revealing? What, how do I need to chisel off some of the edges? How do I need to become more like Christ? And then we let the Holy Spirit do the work. We let the Holy Spirit transform us. It all began kind of with a conversation with a smart aleck Pharisee who's an expert in the law and knows everything. He comes to Jesus and he says, hey, of all the commandments that Moses gave, all 613 of them, which is the very most important? And Jesus just fires right away with the answer that the guy was wanting him to give, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. However, Jesus didn't stop and let him give him a chance to interject he just fired right away and he said and a second is just like it equally important to it equally important to this is that we love our neighbor as ourself and so we've been looking at that if that's the case then do we need to take a look at ourselves and say hey how am I behaving toward my neighbor what what, what are my quirks What, what kind of things would the Holy Spirit reveal to me and Jesus was actually talking to a group one time and he said look here's one of the issues we say things in the church oftentimes that sound very noble but aren't really true, and that is, oh, pastor, just preach the word, just give us the word, just give us the word, pastor. But what Jesus would tell us is that, hey, yes, take in the word, but at some point, it better come out of you. we got to live that way. We can't just hear and so deceive ourselves. He says, do what it says. And he said, part of the problem is, you folks got these really, not you folks, but he was the group he was speaking to. I think it speaks it to us collectively. you got these big issues, and you think you know all the word, you know all the word, so you're constantly telling people what their issues are. And he had a very special name for that, which we love. He said, hey, you are hypocrites. Here's the way we fix that. First, get rid of the log in your own life. Deal with your own big issues. Let the Holy Spirit deal with you. And then you will see well enough. Then you can deal with a speck in your friend's eye. So that's what we've been doing. Each week, each week, each week, we've been looking at just different Christian behaviors, things that we see modeled in the scriptures. Today, you're going to see one that I think is so relevant for today would be so great if the church would jump on board with this, if you and I would jump on board with this. And then we're going to see what Christ did with it and how Christ impacted this behavior came out of him. So I'm going to ask in your Bibles to turn to Acts chapter 16, if you would. Acts chapter 16. And uh, we'll see this. It's a, it's a fascinating, it's, it's just so awesome to see how God is going to use this and work this. So when you have that, if you just stand your feet for me. And again, people that are here regularly, you know this. If you're new, we don't, we don't just stand just for tradition or just because it breaks up the action, you know. Uh, we stand, it's a reminder, it's a physical reminder to us that this just wasn't just a book written by some guys. This now is God, take this in, speaking to us. Acts chapter 16, I'll start in verse 16 and read this story to you, follow along. It says, one day, as we, and by the way, this is, uh, the we here is Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy, maybe some others. Uh, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Verse 18, this went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. Verse 20. 
The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, and so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, and so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. It's just such a privilege to be here in your audience. And uh, we love you. We love you. We desperately want to know you. And so, God, we need your Holy Spirit now to reveal you out of this scripture. Reveal to us what it is you want us to know. Mold us, O oh God, into the likeness of your Son. Do this for your glory, God, that your name would be known. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You folks can have a seat. And so, interesting, interesting story, interesting passage. This is now Paul's second missionary journey. We'll look at this passage and then again see how we, how we can apply this. But Paul is just, uh, some of you will be familiar with this if you've read through the book of Acts. Paul has just kind of had a breakup uh, with Barnabas. Barnabas. Paul had been traveling with Barnabas and they had kind of a disagreement on whether John Mark should come with them or not. And so Paul and Barnabas splits. Paul takes Silas with him. Paul picks up Timothy on the way. Luke, of course, is there with him. He's recording this in the book of Acts. Might be others with him. But uh, I, I think, and I would encourage you to go back and read this because I, I thought this was so encouraging to me as I studied this passage, that Paul really wanted to go into Asia. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to go preach in Asia. And it just said this, the Holy Spirit told him, nope, don't do it. And so we don't know what that means, but he didn't. He stopped. And then a second time Paul wanted to go and the Holy Spirit said, nope, don't do it. And so he stopped. He didn't. But that night, Paul had a very famous dream. And in his dream, he sees a man in Macedonia saying, brother, come, come, preach the word here, bring the word here. You got to come. And so, and I love this. It says this. And so he says, we went at once. And I just think it speaks to us of the of obedience to the Holy Spirit. Hearing the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of times we hear I think the challenge is, do we act on it? Do we yield? Do we submit? Do we surrender? Do we do what the Holy Spirit has told us to do? Right? And so now they get to this place and it says one day they were on a, pay, a place of, they were headed to a place of prayer. And uh, this gal is a slave, number one. And number two, she's demon possessed. And so because of her demon possession, she can tell the future. She's actually telling people's fortunes and making her master a lot of money. Now, you know this from, from the day that we live in. You can turn on the TV, and if you watch TV for very long, especially if you watch during the right time of day and you watch the right channels, you'll get commercials for 1-800-WILL-TELL-YOUR-FUTURE. You know what I'm saying? And you can go to certain places and, hey, we tell your future. We tell your future. And then sometimes you'll say, I'm going to buy a house, and I want to know what I should do. And they say, yes, you're going to buy a house. Windows. It has windows. I see windows in your house. I'm like, Pfft right? 
However, there are situations where there is demonic possession and it gives people these types of abilities. And that's what's going on here. This girl is demon-possessed, and because of her demon possession, she can tell the future. And because she can tell the future, and she must have a track record, she's making a master a whole lot of money, right? Well, they get to the town one day, and this girl starts following Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and this group. She's following them in the streets, and she just keeps screaming out, These are servants of the Most High God, and they're going to tell you what you must do to be saved. And she's just like, one time, that'd be cool. But she just keeps it up, keeps it up, keeps it up. It says day after day after day until, it says this one on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated. Like Paul's just losing his marbles because this girl is following that she just keeps screaming that everywhere. He turns around and he speaks to the demon within her and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of here. Now let me just point something out because I think this is really important. Sometimes we pray about things that we feel some type of oppression in our life and we say, hey, devil, I ain't listening to you and you got to go for me now. Let me just tell you, that doesn't go very far because you and I don't have that kind of authority. But when we pray in the name and the authority of Jesus' name, that's a whole lot different. Paul wasn't trying to come against this demon in his own power. He was coming in the authority of Jesus. And Pastor Jonas, I think uh, on our staff, he explains this really well. If if you're driving down the road in a car and somebody pulls up in a car next to you and says, hey, pull it over, pull you over. What? Right? But if their car has sirens on it and that dude's wearing a uniform and they've got a badge, it's a little different. Why? Because of the authority that goes behind them. See, when we pray in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus' name, that's different. And so Paul knows that. Paul's well aware of that. Paul doesn't just say, hey, demon, come out of there. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of there and watch what happens. Boom, instantly the demon leaves, right? That demon leaves this girl instantly, just like that. Now you can imagine how the master feels about that. Her master's hopes of wealth are now shattered So what do they do? They grab Paul and Silas, like money's at stake here, and they're ticked because they're losing money. They grab Paul and Silas, and they drag them before the authorities at the marketplace. They say, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shout. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, is that true? We don't know. We don't see any evidence of that, that they were necessarily preaching things that that were illegal. It's very possible that they're falsely accused here. That's, that's a distinct possibility. And so this mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the official, city officials ordered them stripped, ordered them beaten with wooden rods. And so they weren't just beaten. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. Now, just FYI, yes or no, Paul is a Roman citizen. Yes or no? Yes, Paul is a Roman citizen. This is highly illegal, just so you know that. This stuff is not allowed to happen. If you're a Roman citizen, this cannot happen unless there's a trial, right? This is totally illegal activity, but they order them stripped and beaten. They are severely beaten, and then they're thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, like they've been just totally beat up. Remember, the Jews, you could only be whipped so many times. The Romans have no kind of rules like that. When they beat you with a stick, they, they beat you till they're happy, Right? They've been severely beaten and and thrown in. And and the jailer is ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So what does he do? He puts them in the inner dungeon and he clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, the inner dungeon is most likely, we think, where they put everybody at night. You can have prisoners at various places, but the inner dungeon at night so that we can keep track of them all. Now, think about this. The inner dungeon. 
It's crowded because everybody's thrown in there. It's dark. You and I both know this. It reeks of urine and feces. And that's where they're thrown into. Everybody's thrown in. Now, now ask yourself this. And by the way, I would just mention this in the stocks. They have chains and very likely their hands are chained. But very oftentimes the stocks that they put on their legs are, their, their uh, custom at that time was it was a wooden apparatus and had large holes drilled in it. So you could have them standing like this or you could say, hey, there are other holes. We're going to stretch them out like this or we're going to stretch them way out like this and you can make things very uncomfortable for them. So their lives are miserable right now. Now think about this. Paul says, hey, I'd really like to go here and preach. And the Holy Spirit says, nah. So he's obedient. Then Paul says, hey, I'd really like to go here and preach. And the Holy Spirit says, nah. And Paul's obedient. Then Paul gets a vision. And a man says, brother, come to Macedonia and help us. So what does he do? He's obedient. And he goes. And they're preaching and they're proclaiming the gospel. Now here's where the story's about to turn. Because you and I all know the same thing. That always it's promised us in the Bible that when we are obedient and we do what God says, we are blessed with crazy amounts of money. We get fame. We get fortune. You have good circumstances and good health. Who's with me? Like, that just ain't the story, folks. And so, very interesting to me what happens to Paul here. If I'm Paul, because I always say this, life is not about circumstances. Just keep this one, tuck this away. I think life is rarely about the circumstances. It's about the expectations. And I think it would be really easy if you're Paul here to have an expectation of, I've been, I've been obedient. I didn't go when, I, when you said no. I went when you said yes. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I proclaimed the gospel. Hey, here's one more. I cast a demon out of a girl. Like, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And this is what I get? Beaten, severely beaten, thrown into the inner prison, right? Crowded, urine, feces, stocks. My, my, my expectations were better than this. If I'm Paul, if I'm Silas right now, I'm ticked. I'm angry. I'm asking if there's a God. I'm asking if there is a God and this God is so good. I've got issues now because why is all this happening to me? Right. Watch what Paul and Silas do. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And many translations say they were giving praise to God. Are you kidding me? Like, that's bizarre to me. That's not normal behavior to me. I tell you I'm a Christian and you know I'm a pastor. I'm just being a little honest. Like sometimes when life is tough for me, I'm ticked. I'm like, come on, God? Right? Don't we, don't we question? Am I the only one? <laughs> like we just, if there is this God, if this God is good, like we have all these questions. Paul and Silas instantly begin praising God. They're singing hymns to God. And here's what I want you to tuck away and I want you to watch this. I want you to see this and I want you to remember this. Next time things are really difficult and we're going to behave the way we're going to behave. All the prisoners were listening. That's a word for the church. Now, I just want you to stretch your imaginations. This is going to be a hard one for you, so just see if you can get there. Imagine if you were living in a really weird time. Imagine if you were living in a really difficult time. Imagine if you were living in a time where things were just hard. Like culturally just hard. And now on top of that, you just got regular life that's happening. You lose a loved one. You lose a job. You're having financial troubles. You have the normal difficult relational things that are hard, right? 
how do we behave? Because I want you to know this, and you need to remember this, and I need to remember this. Folks are watching, and they're listening, and they're seeing how we behave, and they're seeing how we handle it. I'm just honest. Like Sometimes there are times when I think, oh, man, dear Jesus, I hope no one around here knows that I'm a follower of yours. There's times when I think, what does my staff think? I'm an idiot. What are they thinking? Like, how do we behave? How do we speak? How do we talk? How, how do we handle these situations? These guys were praising God, and folks were listening. Now, just put yourself in their place. You're not a follower of Jesus, and you see how this person is handling the situation, and that even in the midst of it, they're praising God. What would your impression be of followers of Christ? Interesting, right? Suddenly, there's a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors, let's think about this, all the doors immediately just fly open, and the chains of every prisoner fall off. This is how God is going to provide so that Paul and Silas and whoever's with them can escape. This is God's plan. This is God's provision. Yes? The jailer woke up, because the jailer lives there, to see the prison doors wide open. Now, he assumes that the prisoners had escaped. Why? Because that's what prisoners would do. Because you've been beaten and mistreated and you're tired of smelling urine and feces. You would run, you would flee, you escape. And so what does he do? He draws a sword to kill himself because this, this jailer knows that if the prisoners escape, I'm going to be killed. And so he does the next logical step. He's like, I'm going to call the shots here. I'm going to end it my way. Just then Paul shouts to him, yes, do it, stab yourself. Jump on your knife. Hey, everybody, come and watch this. Nope. Watch what Paul says. Stop. Just stop. Just stop for a minute. Don't kill yourself. Everybody's still here. Like, we had a chance to escape. Brother, do not kill yourself. Everybody's still here. I love this. The jailer calls for the lights. They flipped them on, you know. And they ran to the dungeon that this jailer did, and he falls down trembling. Like, think about what's just happened here. These dudes were treated horrifically, beaten. Maybe I was the one who beat them. They've had a chance to escape. My life is over, right? And they say, no, no, we're all still here. He comes down, he falls down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and he asked them, how come you guys didn't take off? How come you didn't run? You had your chance. Oh, this is beautiful. You, you just got to catch this. Here's what he asks. Hey, what do I have to do to be saved? I just wonder if we, if we understand how much our behavior matters. Like in really tough times, in really difficult times, know this, everybody's watching. Everybody's listening. Everybody's paying attention. Hopefully they know you're a follower of Jesus. But if they know you're a follower of Jesus, they're really paying attention. And when we sing the praises of God, folks want what we got. I always go back to what was, the, what was the strategy of the early church? Folks, they didn't have no strategy. They lived these radically compelling lives. That's what they did. They lived radically compelling lives. And the folks of that day just said, man, what are you folks drinking? Because I want some of that. And the Christians just said, hey, come on. Come on, bro. Just live with us. Just, just come with us. Just live with us. Just follow this Jesus with us. That's what they did. Folks are watching. Hey, what do I have to do to be saved? What if people saw you and I behaving and handling really difficult situations and they just started to say, what do you have? Like, what is it? 
What is it that you have? And what would I have to do to have that? I just think this is, this is so powerful for the church today. And the beauty is that this is the way naturally. Now, everybody's, nobody's off the hook here. Some of you are just naturally wired that way. Some of you are just the optimist and you believe this way. It's the way you live your life. Some of you just do. And so we've been studying these different behavioral styles, behavioral styles. And so this week we're on the last one called the enthusiast. And the enthusiast, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's killing you. And now it's the enthusiast day and you say, Yes, thank you, because that's what the real enthusiasts say. Brother, where have you been? It's our turn. Yes, that's exactly, thank you, Sierra. You're the only honest one in the room, or you're the only, you're the only enthusiast, maybe. But the enthusiasts have just been dying, waiting to get to this, right? So when we think enthusiasts, like Bible scholars and theologians, when they, when they look at these behavioral styles, right, they typically think of King Solomon. King Solomon's always the one they point out. And we'll get into a little bit of why, but I'll just show you, for instance, an example. This is Solomon. We think that he just lived this, da-da-da-da-da, just like this. This is from 1 Kings, and it describes and says, All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all of the utensils in the palace of the forest of limits. Everything's solid gold. They weren't made of silver. You know why? Because silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. You know why? Because everything he had was made of gold, and so silver is just worthless right? But it tends to just highlight this kind of excessive behavior of the, of the enthusiast. So I want to I give you a, a chance to look at what are some really cool things about this behavioral style. And so what I want to start with is just, if you haven't done the assessment on our website, I would say run to the assessment, uh, the website when you get home. There's still time if you want to find out. You'll scroll on the main homepage. You can scroll down and you'll see that this is us. Right? There are about six boxes, I think, like this. One of them says, this is us. It's its series. When you click on that, you'll be able to take the assessment. But if you haven't, let me just give you some clues. And you want to kind of have a feel for it because then we want to say, okay, if that's the way you're made, here's some things. Just heads up. Be cautious of these. So let me give you some clues. Number one, you're always the first person up for a last-minute adventure. If that's you, you're an enthusiast. You're most likely. Now, remember this. We've said this. Everybody has some of these characteristics. But if you go check, 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 this is probably you, right? Number two, you're just an optimist to fault. Like you, you just, everything is going to be good. Everything is, this is the boy, uh, you, you know this story, this is the boy whose parents were just kind of mean. And so for Christmas one year, they got him a, a pile of uh, horse manure. And the kid thought, wow. And he dove in head first and he just starts going crazy, digging around, digging around, digging around, digging around. And finally they were like, what are you doing? He said, with all this manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Like, that's the eternal optimist, right? Some of you think like that. Uh, if, you, if you do also know, though, that you don't like making hard and fast commitments, because a lot of times you want to just wait and see, will something better come up, right? If you suffer from the fear of missing out, I don't miss, right? If you think anticipation is the best part of life, uh, if you think that variety and spontaneity are the spice of life, if you say, sometimes I just get so eager for the future that I can hardly wait for it to get here, if you were to say, it's just hard for me to finish things, because when I get close to the end of a project, I already start thinking about the next thing, and I get so excited, I oftentimes just move on. Right? That's an enthusiast. Um, if you say, I usually avoid heavy conversations about feelings, you might be the enthusiast. Uh, if you say, others often think that I'm sure of myself, but I actually have a lot of doubts. You just don't say them, but that's me. 
If you say, I know a lot of people and I have a ton of friends, that's oftentimes the enthusiast. You know a million people. Everywhere you go, you just know folks. That's the enthusiast. So, so let me describe and celebrate you just a little bit for you enthusiasts. Here's what we love. I call them party in a can, and they've got a large label that says, open me, right? Party in a can, ready to go. Spontaneous, adventurous, am I close? Optimistic, like that's the enthusiast, right? Furthermore, everybody's friend, everybody's friend. So everywhere you go, like, it's very interesting to me. The enthusiasts will walk into a party sometime, and they'll be chatting with somebody, and then somebody else will go and chat to the person that they were talking to, and they go, how do you know them? Oh, they're my best friend. They go, oh, me too. We're best friends. Everybody thinks they're the best friend. And they make everyone feel that way. They're very future-oriented, always thinking out ahead, can't wait, can't wait. Because of that, they tend to be great starters, but sometimes they say, I, I'm not really a finisher because I get so excited for the next thing. And their motto is, more is more. More is always more. Now, what we try to say is, we try to help you identify, is this you? Because we want to create some space for the Holy Spirit to transform. And so this is what I always say when we get to this point. Just, right, suspend all judgment. Suspend all judgment and just ask the question, could some of these be true of me? Is this true of me? Not all of them will be, but where it is true, let the Holy Spirit work. Now, all of us have had something happen to us in life as kids, most often, where we've internalized something. We have this inner message that tends to go. So the childhood message sometimes for the enthusiast, this may resonate with you, may not, it's not okay to depend on others. I can't depend on them for that. I just can't. Right? You have that childhood message. And this is where I say, this is where we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and heal old wounds. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you. Why, why is it that I believe that? Why do I feel that way? And let the Holy Spirit minister. I also would mention this. Don't ever forget this because I probably don't mention enough. We do have our prayer mentoring program here. For years and years we call it counseling and we've just gotten away from that term. But prayer mentoring is a powerful ministry where sometimes in prayer mentoring they'll help take you back to some of these things and let the Holy Spirit reveal this to you. And so if you ever have interest in that you can always contact the church. You can go on the website and pull up prayer mentoring. I'm just going to tell you this in advance just so you know. There's an application process to fill out and it's kind of thick. If you're intimidated by that, if you can fill it out it just helps all the more. But if you're intimidated by that, what I tell people is don't let that prevent you. Just fill out the first page, which is real general, and then they'll get the other information. But when you fill out the whole packet, it helps them to, to match you appropriately as best they can. But that would be a place where you could deal with that is in our prayer mentoring. As a result, the core fear then is very oftentimes of being deprived, but very much emotional pain. There's a real fear of emotional pain or feeling real emotion, of being limited or bored. And this is the other big one, missing out. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. And so the core sin can be, this may resonate with you, doesn't necessarily have, but it's gluttony. And gluttony not necessarily in food, but it's just filling me up with activities. It's filling emptiness with experiences and stimulation to feel satisfied and content. So we never sit still. We never absorb or soak anything. We're just like, nope, more experiences. Got to stay busy. Got to stay, got to stay, got, 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 got to go. Like it tends to be that kind of thing. And so as a result, Here's what the enthusiast really needs to hear. And I hope if you're here this morning, this has resonated with you all. You need to hear this message. And that is this, very much this. That God sees you and God will take care of you. 
God will take care of you. God absolutely sees you. He sees you where you're at. He knows your situation. I always, I, I love the story where Hagar, who's now uh, had the, uh, the baby Ishmael through Abraham, and Abraham's like, yep, you, you know, Sarah's my wife. And, and so he, she just goes off into the desert, and she takes the child with her, and it says that she lays a child down at a, at a small plant, small tree, to die, her small child. And then she goes just far enough away where she won't hear the baby cry, and she just begins to weep. And the angel comes and ministers to her right there. And from that day forward, she calls God the God who sees. Oh, God saw me. God knew. And so you need to hear that this morning, that God does see you. God will take care of you. Now, these become the unhealthy behaviors that are possible. Not all of them are probably true, but just see if some resonate. And remember, we go into unhealth. Typically, we've talked about halt. When we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's when the enemy attacks us, right? And so if you're in one of those situations, just start to see, am I feeling really insecure? And I, do, I become, do I begin to behave in an unhealthy manner, manner, ways that don't reflect Christ? So one is avoiding pain at any cost. And enthusiasts, we just, I'm not going to deal with pain. I'm not going to talk about emotion. I'm not going to talk. I'm, we're not having any of that, Right? And not only that, but there's just, again, the great fear of any of feelings. I don't want to feel real emotion. Uh, you tend to medicate with busyness. You just stay busy. I'm going to be at work. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to run errands. I'm going to go shop. I just want to stay busy. Right? Might resonate with you. And then the sin of just excess. Just more, 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 more. Shop, 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 shop. I always say we worship over here at the Center for Worship that we have, the, our altar of materialism over at the Mall of America. The great Mecca, right? Tend to be real spin doctors. We don't like to call things for what they really are. We've got to put a positive sound on it. Maybe an overconfidence in self. I'm just going to be smarter. I'm going to be charming. I'm going to know what to say. I'm going to kind of get my way because I'll just be cute here for a minute. Too much risk and just the propensity to be reckless. Very possible. Some may resonate with you. Some may not. Take what's there. Let the Holy Spirit work with that. Now, we want to talk about letting the Holy Spirit transform. And so here's some ideas for transformation. And again, if this personality style really resonates with you, or if any of these behaviors really resonate with you, let the Holy Spirit use some of these. Some may stick out to you more than others. But here's just some thoughts on this. Number one, solitude would be a really good spiritual practice for you. Because people who are enthusiasts tend to keep themselves so busy and so on the run and go, 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 go. Maybe you just need to have some alone time with God, just you and God, just the two of you, where you're not trying to medicate with relationships or excess or just, I think it's healthy for all of us, but that one in particular. Go ahead and process some negative emotions. Go ahead. Go ahead and feel that and process it and let the Holy Spirit minister to you in terms of what you're feeling, right? Don't always try to fix other people's emotions as well. A lot of times the, the enthusiast is the one who says, yeah, but you know, hey, it's going to be great, right? Or the other thing that the enthusiast does is sometimes you'll be somewhere and it's kind of heavy and there's some heavy emotions and it's a little quiet and it's really uncomfortable and so this is me, because I identify with this. You just crack wise. Just going to, hey, I'll say something stupid, and that's going to fix everybody. Okay. So don't always try to fix it. Process forgiveness. What would it be like for you 
to forgive someone? Because usually the tendency is, I'm not going to, I'm just moving on. Right? What would it be like for you to forgive them? Go ahead and process that. Or what would it feel like for them to forgive me? Right? Think moderation. Very often it's excess. Think moderation. Go back to the present because your tendency is to move on to the future. Get there really quick. Not deal with the present. Go back to the present. Physical exercise is especially a big thing for enthusiasts because they're always going like this, 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 this. Process some nervous energy with exercise. And then try, try committing to the long haul. Instead of just moving on, just commit to the long haul once in a while. And so I want to give you just a verse for what I think would be meditation if this is you. This would be an ideal verse. Write this down and just keep going back to that. The most important thing is to seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And then God's going to give you everything you need. God's going to do that. He's already going to give you everything you need. But seek him. Seek to live righteously. Right? Now, I want you to see this in a biblical context. Uh, many of you know, the, if you, especially if you're a kid who grew up in Sunday school, you know the, Zac, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, well done, we little man. Do the hand motions. Do you do this? No, that's actually it's a bitsy spider. Never mind. So that's, but I know there were hand motions. There was something, right? Zacchaeus is a little man. And so he's a tax collector. He's not just a tax collector. Remember, tax collectors are hated because they're Jews who work for the oppressive Romans to steal more money from the Jews, right, their own people. And he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's another layer of hate, okay? And now Jesus is coming, and he wants to see Jesus. And so what does he do? He climbs up in a sycamore tree. Thank you, right? We need a flannel graph. And so he's up in the tree, and Jesus sees him. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, whom he didn't know prior to this, they, at least they hadn't met, I'll say that. And he called him by name. He calls him by name. Hey, Zacchaeus, quick, 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 come on down here. I got to be a guest in your house today. Brother, we are going to party at your house. And he gives Zacchaeus this. He calls him by name. And Zacchaeus is like, smack, we're tight. We're friends. This is awesome. Now, the people don't like it because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Oh, yeah, he's a chief tax collector. And people are like, He's a tax collector. He's ripping us off. He's ripping us off. He's ripping us off. He's ripping us off. Meanwhile, while they're all grumbling, Zacchaeus stands before the Lord. Now, get this. Get this. You go home and read this. There's almost no dialogue. This is what's fascinating to me here. There's almost no dialogue. We get, we get no account of dialogue. It's not like they've had some great talk and he's come to some great realization. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, bro, I've got to go to your house today. Right on. Love being with you. And just spends time with them, makes them feel like they're best friends. And his response is, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. What if that was our behavior? Where we just made people feel like, wow, I'm special. This person loves me. This person cares about me. They would want what we have. That's what I love about this enthusiast. That's what I love about their behavioral style. One other thing I want you to consider is Jesus himself in this statement by the writer of the Hebrews. And I love it. Because of the joy awaiting him. Because he's an optimist. He's looking forward. He's looking forward to what God is going to do. Because of that, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne for the joy that was before him. What if we thought that way? Man, it's tough right now. It's tough right now. But for the joy set before us for someday in eternity with the Father, 
What a great thing that would be. Now, we've always tried to have a big so what that will celebrate you. And so this is you, enthusiasts. You see the best, and you make life fun for all the rest. And we know that the end game is not fun, but they're just exciting people to be around. You love to have them. Life of the party. And when you're healthy and when you operate in the gifts that God has given you, you do. You are attractive. You are charismatic. You're magnetic. And people go, what do you have? What is it that you have? How is it that you're rejoicing even in a really difficult time? And so we've given you this as a big now what every week. And I would say it again. Find someone you know, love, and trust. And you ask him this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's that like? And you get to speak life into them. And you get to affirm them. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, you say, hey, but I would ask you just to consider this. This is an unhealthy behavior that I see in you from time to time. And just minister to them, right? So we've had a song for each week. Again, if you're new, this is the last time I'll explain this. Same singer for every song, Christian, who really had his life radically transformed because he was forced to examine himself and allowed the Holy Spirit to work. Each song, then, of the different numbers is composed, the musical score is written by only musicians of that behavioral style, and the lyrics are only of that behavioral style, and then in the performance, the instruments are played only in that behavioral style. So if this isn't you, it's okay. It's not all about you, but if this is you today, let this just minister just for a minute. How nice it be we could try everything I'm serious Let's make a list And just begin What about danger? So what? What about risk? Let's climb this mountain Before we cross that bridge Cause I'm So I look to the future and I put 
so good. We love the enthusiasts in our life, man. We love you. We, we're grateful for you if you're the enthusiast and you're in our church body. You help us advance the kingdom of God. You're just those people that people are just drawn to. and We love that. So we celebrate you today. We praise God. We're grateful. Now, just let the Holy Spirit speak and ask, Spirit, how would you transform me? What changes do I need to make? He'll do the work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for your presence. We love being in your presence, oh God. What a treat. It's greater than anything we could desire. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for these enthusiasts in our midst. We're grateful for them. Use them, use them, use them. 